Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Probably one of the most confusing things out there in money land is all this stuff around your credit score, your credit report, what impacts your credit and your credit score, does it even matter, all those things. Well, today on the podcast, we're doing a deep dive into all about credit scores. Now, I'm joined by Jerry Kremen from creditsmart.org.au and this is how we're going to do this episode. We're going to spend the first maybe 10 or 15 minutes looking at some recent research around credit and what's happening out there on the ground that Credit Smart have put together. Then we're going to talk about the system and how it works conceptually. And then we're just going to spend time answering a whole heap of listener questions. It's a longer episode today because we do answer a lot and cover a lot of ground. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. Thanks. Really excited to talk about it all. All right. Well, let's talk about all things credit. My name's Glenn James, and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Credit scores. It's always a popular topic online in chats, uh, even offline. People talk about it at barbecues, and I've been a broken record by saying, we have to be careful in this country how we're influenced, and I think a lot of it has come through from the U.S., and we're just not America. And in today's episode, we'll get into that. But I'm talking today with Jerry Kremen. Jerry's been on the podcast many years ago, and I thought we'd get her back, talk about this credit score thing, credit reporting, credit health, all the good stuff, just to give you some information. Creditsmart.org.au have recently conducted some research, and I just want to have a chat through that. And then we'll answer a whole heap of your credit score questions as the episode goes on. Welcome back to the podcast, Jerry. Thank you. I'm excited to have the chat and really looking forward to going through the listener questions as well. Because often I send people to creditsmart.org.au when they ask questions around credit score, because I believe it's it's kind of neutral territory in terms of information. So talk to us about Credit Smart and, what the, and the work that you're doing there. So creditsmart.org.au is a consumer education website. It's owned and run by ARCA, which is an industry association. And so we work with lenders and with credit reporting bureaus on a number of different things. But when it comes to the Credit Smart stuff, we're just trying to make it clear for consumers what's going on. So last time I was on, we did a lot of myth busting and, you know, we went into that stuff around what you hear in pop culture versus what it's actually like in Australia. Um, and that's really what we're trying to get to the root of with Credit Smart. We're trying to just give like a clear, consistent message to help people understand what credit reporting is and help people take charge of their credit health. Yeah. And just give us a high level with some of Credit Smart's recent research because I've read the research and I've got a couple of questions for you, but just high level that research, what was it all about? And I think what was the purpose of it? Was it just to come up for air to see different behaviours that are happening on the ground? Because realistically, I know since we've done a last episode, like we've had a global pandemic mm-hmm. and you know we've got a inflation cost of living crisis. Yep. So yeah, anecdotally, things feel different. And I just want to know your research, what has it found? Yeah, a lot has happened. So we do a regular credit health check and we kind of look at changes to how people are interacting with credit reporting, how many people are checking their credit reports, general awareness. This specific research was really looking at the current cost of living crisis and trying to see what connections there might be between people who are feeling the impact of that cost of living crisis and how they're interacting with credit, how they're interacting with their credit health as well. So some of the research is just completely unsurprising. We've got a cost of living crisis and people are really feeling the effect of that. Um, But we've got some good insights into how people are interacting with credit then 
Also, something else really significant that has changed since last time we caught up is around awareness for banks kind of support framework. So banks put a lot of work and lenders put a lot of work into making sure that there are support frameworks for people when they're struggling to make their repayments before COVID, but, you know, during COVID as well. So awareness around those support frameworks has really increased. So we're seeing more people kind of reach out to their lender when they're struggling to make their repayments, which is really, really good sign, I think. Yeah, totally. Now, just on this whole awareness thing, I see that your report, and it's fascinating, 52% of millennials have checked their credit report or their a credit score. And we can get into some of the technicalities because mm. there's no one credit score that governs the world. Uh, but 52% have checked in the last 12 months. Like, why do you think people are caring more so in this generation? Overall, we've seen more Australians checking their credit report in the last right. 12 months. But definitely right. millennials are leading the charge on those improvements. So, it's 15% more than last year who have checked their credit report. And overall, only 27% of millennials have never checked it. So overall, millennials are really engaging more with their credit report than anyone else. Another really positive one actually outside the credit report is millennials are more likely than any other generation to have spoken to friends and family about their finances. This for me is really important. I want to see those conversations happening around the dinner table. I think that's a really good first step. So that's another way that millennials are really actually taking charge of credit health and having these big improvements. But that's the good news. And there's kind of bad news behind it, which is the why. So why are millennials more engaged with their credit health? Because they need to be. So millennials are more likely than any other generation to have experienced financial stress over the last 12 months. Really? Yeah, significantly. So um, 61% of millennials have felt financial stress and it's a 50% average otherwise. So significantly more than everyone else. Um, And you're more likely to interact with your credit health if you are feeling financially stressed. We've also seen that millennials are more likely to have experienced an increase in housing costs compared to other generations as well, whether they're renters or have a mortgage, people are feeling it on both sides. Um, And they're more likely to have struggled to meet their bills and repayments over the last 12 months as well. So yes, more engaged, taking really positive action, but you know, the reason behind that is, is troubling. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, oh crap, I'm struggling. I wonder if it's going to impact me and then I better check my credit report or whatnot just to see. Random question, you know, I'm not huge on credit myself. The only real credit I have is my mortgage, but what types of credit products are most you know, of our audience, which is millennial using? Again, some really big differences when it comes to millennials versus everyone else. So first of all, millennials are more likely than any other generation to have a credit product. So 88% of millennials have a credit product, which is pretty huge. And can you maybe just define credit product? Because it's not just a credit card, is it? No. So what we're looking at is credit cards, buy now, pay later, mortgages, home loans, in our questions, we don't include um, other types of credit that you actually wouldn't expect a credit, things like utilities and telephone bills. Technically, it right. is a type of credit, but we don't kind of look at that when it comes to our research. So for millennials, 55% have a credit card. That's the most popular form of credit, followed by, I know one of your favorites, buy now, pay later. So 37%, <laughs> of millennials, um, and then home loans are close, close yeah. by after that. Um, Another little insight on the generation is that we're more likely to have unsecured and short-term loans than anyone else. So that's the buy now, pay later. It's also personal loans or borrowing from friends and family. Gosh. Yeah, it's fascinating because I would have thought there would have been a lot of Gen X that peak this because a lot of Gen Xs are, you know, what, in their 50s. And we know because time, the whole timeline has shifted which means people are living longer, so everything's kind of been extended. I thought people in their 50s would have really been struggling just as much, but yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any generation is immune to what's happening at all. I think Mm. with millennials, you've got people in a certain point in time in life where um, they are feeling the crunch of cost of living. They might have young kids as well, um, and they can just be a hole in the pocket. 
So um, I guess there's a, a few different factors there, but certainly everyone's feeling it. What do you think stood out to you most about the research? It's a very good question. So we've got, we've asked people how they, whether they've changed their spending habits over the last 12 months. 85% of people have. Again, it's 93% of millennials. So millennials are definitely feeling it more. But the most concerning point that's come across to me out of our research is how many people have cut down on everyday basics. So that's separate to Mm. the discretionary spending, like the new clothes or going out for the night. It's everyday basics and it's over 50% of people have cut down on everyday basics. And that's really significant to me. And that really shows the level of stress that people are carrying every day as well. And to that point, we've got that increase in conversations around financial stress And that's the upside of this. But it also shows that it's not just a financial issue, it's a social issue and it's a genuinely stressful issue that um, a lot of people Mm. are dealing with. One of the highlights that I saw in in the research was that 35% of Australians are saying that they're worried about not being able to get credit in the future. Can you chat maybe around some of the factors that are driving this worry, you know, at a micro and a macro level. And it's fascinating as well, because we know with interest rates rising and the servicing buffers and salaries not going up, people maybe can't get a mortgage now when they could have two years ago. So what are some of the micro and macro factors with this? There's an increase in general anxiety around credit health, and that includes looking at the future. So you're right, that whole anxiety about being able to get credit in the future has increased. Um, But also along with that is the general sentiment around, you know, we ask people, how do you rate your credit health today? And that has really plummeted over the last few years as well. And that's definitely carrying through to kind of um, future circumstances and so much uncertainty around the interest rate hikes and things like that. And as part of that, absolutely, we see mortgage holders are more concerned than other people, particularly around whether they'll be able to get access to credit in the future. And other things like they're more likely to be digging into their savings for everyday expenses. So that's, you know, people who've got the savings in the overdraft account, that's starting to go down. They're starting to think about coming off that fixed rate um, and, you know, what situation they're going to be when it comes to refinancing as well. So there's definitely some big picture concerns um, happening so a lot of people and different people are feeling it differently depending on what kind of products they have. So mortgage holders absolutely feeling the pinch um, and experiencing a lot more anxiety, I think, than general population. I thought, you know, when reading this research about uh, financial hardship and credit reporting and all that stuff, I look back because I'm a fossil dinosaur now, (laughs) during the GFC, right, you would see research that would say one thing, but on the ground with the everyday Australian, it doesn't reflect that, like, because it was just so disconnected. But in this era, the research is actually quite accurate because so many of us are feeling stuff on a day-to-day level. And 35% of people were saying that they're worried about their credit in the future, whether that is, I won't be able to get a mortgage because of the servicing rates and interest rates and all that stuff. So can you give us just some high level comments around this part of the research? Yeah, for sure. So you touched on feelings and Mm. absolutely we ask people about their feelings um, and how they're feeling about their credit health. So that overall is going downhill, people rating how they feel about their credit, credit health and whether it's under control. So around 50% of people feel that their credit health is under control and other people are, you know, a little bit uncertain about the future or very uncertain about the future. And you mentioned the 35% who are worried about being able to access credit in the future as well. And some people are more affected than others. So mortgage holders are much more concerned about their ability to access credit in the future as well. And they're probably thinking about it a little bit more right now. There's a lot of conversation around interest rates and people rolling off the fixed interest rates. What are they going to do next? And will they be able to get another kind of favourable home loan as well? But there's a lot going into that uncertainty around the future as well. A lot of people are actually struggling to make their repayments today. 
Um, and of course, you're not going to feel like you've got your future kind of in front of you and feel real, really good about it. But I would say that understanding credit, understanding your credit health is actually going to help those feelings as well. And we see that. We see that people who have checked their credit report in the last 12 months are more optimistic. I think it's, it reinforces that message of actually taking charge and then when you're feeling in more control, then you feel a lot more optimistic as well. So I would encourage people who do have those doubts and are actually feeling that kind of stress and worried about the future, just take some positive steps towards understanding your credit health, your credit report. Even if you can't kind of magic your way out of your credit card debt today, you can absolutely educate yourself and that's going to help how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah and because it, on that, like knowledge is power, and I mm. think if you understand how the credit world works, and we'll get into that after the break, but if you are in debt at the moment, it doesn't mean that, you know, because I've got a credit card and I've been late a couple of times in the last couple of years, like it doesn't mean the world's over. Absolutely. So, and that's the connection between struggling now. And we've got a good question coming up, I think, from one of the listeners around, you know, what it, what it actually means for your credit report if you're late. And it's not the be all and end all. If you're late on a payment or two, it's not the big black mark that you think it is. So I think we can dispel a lot of myths again today. And I think that we can hopefully make people feel a little bit more optimistic about their credit health today and in the future. Awesome. All right. Well, if you're like me and you're a bit of a data research nerd and you like looking through data, I know a lot of you are freaks out there. We'll put a link in the show note to the research and it's just fascinating and you can have a look yourself to see some different trends. We'll have a quick break. We're going to come back, talk about the credit landscape, how credit scores work, and we'll answer a heap of your questions right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, we are back. Jerry, can you give us the lay of the land, how credit works, and particularly this credit score, credit reporting, how it works in Australia with the bureaus, the banks, the lenders, the mobile phone providers? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So, a few years ago, we only had negative information in the system. So, that's stuff like if you've defaulted on a loan, if you've got a bankruptcy, um, but a few years ago, last time we caught up, in fact, we had this really significant change where lenders start reporting comprehensive information. And that means that you've now got on your credit report information that the loan exists, type of loan, loan limit, you know, who the lender is. The really useful stuff is a monthly report on whether you've made your repayment on time or not. So we call that repayment history information. So your credit report today is so different to what it was five years ago. And so again, encourage you to have a look at it. And it's, you know, every country has a slightly different system, but I'd say that we've started to catch up with the rest of the world because last time we caught up, I remember talking about how vastly different the kind of American system is and how there was a lot more information, but we've got a lot more information in there now as well. You mentioned mobile phones, so telcos and utilities can't provide all of that information, but they can take part to a lesser degree in credit reporting as well. 
So that kind of means as this has evolved, it's it's like a two-edged sword. Like if someone had missed a payment once, you know, 10 years ago, it might be a black mark, but now it will show that, oh, there has been one payment missed, but all the other ones are fine. And a lender may have discretion when they actually look at the report because there's more data there. Yeah. So absolutely. Now that we've got more information, we call it positive data. And it's because you actually have the opportunity to build up a reputation and you actually are able to demonstrate your behavior with credit and show a potential lender that, you know, you've had a loan before and you've managed it really well. And so absolutely, you know, if there's a missed payment in there, it might be surrounded by a whole heap of timely payments as well. And so it gives that really good context to um, if you have missed a payment here or there. Yeah. And can you speak to us uh, around the structure of people might hear the word credit bureaus and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So there's three main credit reporting bodies in Australia. They each might hold different information. So when you go to get your credit report, it's really important to go to all three of them. Uh, Lenders then report information to those bureaus and they also access that information. Um, It's where that kind of pool of information sits. If you apply for a loan, the lender you're applying to will go to a bureau and access information that other lenders have provided about your credit history as well. And so then the other thing to note is how those three different businesses generate a score. Because I always emphasize that your credit report is the most important thing, but I also know that people just care about their score and I wish I wish they would listen to me. Um, so you'll have different scores from different bureaus and they'll use different calculations. They might have different information about you. Even the output is a different scale. So some bureaus will give you a score from between 0 and 1,200. Another one, it might be 0 to 1,000. So they're all really different and it's important to know which one you're looking at and what scale they use. So practical example, if I apply for a mortgage, they will do a sweep. The lender will likely do a sweep of all three bureaus. Is that correct? It will very much depend on the lender. They might have a bureau of first call and kind of go to that bureau. And if they're not sure, go to another one. They might go to all three as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously case dependent, but all that to say each lender, they're not saying, oh, Glenn, you've got a 300 credit score here. Oh, you've got a nine. They don't actually care about the score because they're looking at the data. That's right. And so lenders will also usually have their own kind of methods for assessing the information about you. They're not just looking at your credit report either. They're looking at your application a lot of the time as well. But the score is really not as important as everyone makes out. And I always like to say, you know, you could have the best credit profile in the world. So you've applied for the mortgage, you've sent it through and there's no issues. The credit's perfect because the lender or the telco or someone's forming their own view of your credit profile, they could see on your bank statement that every third day there's $100 going to sports bet or ATM withdrawals at the local RSL or something. And that could impact your credit profile with the lender, not just whether you've paid your bill off or not. That's right. So as much as I want to say, check your credit report, care about your credit health, there's more to it that a lender looks at, depending on what you're applying for as well. But um, it'll be your everything in the application, income, if it's a house, it's the deposit, things like that. But that whole point around looking at your statement and transactions, so that's also something to know when it comes to buy now, pay later, which isn't currently reported in the credit reporting system. So the existence of buy now, pay later is still going to show up in your transactions. And when we you know, really start using open banking, which is going to be another really useful source of information, there'll be a, that kind of information that's in your statements will be a lot more accessible. So the, I don't think it was on this list, but there was another question because we always get heaps of questions and I just kind of cull ones, but I always remember ones that I've seen and didn't add. Someone (laughs) talked about, uh, does buy now, pay later affect my credit score? It would if you don't pay and then it goes to collections. Is that right? Buy now, pay later at the moment is going through a change. I think there's been conversation and there's been a decision by government to look at regulating it. And so how buy now, pay later looks in the credit reporting system in the future might be very different to how it looks today and how it looked um, a few years ago as well. Buy now, pay later providers might check your credit report as an ID check. If you default um, on a buy now, pay later product, it could be reported as well. 
There's also so many different types of buy now, pay later products as well. It's not just the online shopping ones, mm. uh, not to name names. There's also um, under that category of buy now, pay later, which is kind of outside of the usual regulation. You've also got big ticket items. You've got solar panel funding that's buy now, pay later technically. There's a lot of changes coming. I think the most important thing overall is just use credit responsibly. Use what's best for you. Only take out the credit you can afford to pay back. Mm. Um, and also be aware that things aren't invisible. So if it's not on your credit report, it's showing up in your transaction account as well. Mm. Well, let's get into some questions actually before we do. So just on that, like if I, for example, created a business called Glenn James Mobile Phone Plans, right? And I mm-hmm. talk to Optus and say, I want a white label Optus plan like Aldi do and all those other ones and AGL and all that stuff. I could then say, as part of my processes, I'm just going to work with Equifax only, or I'm just going to work with Experian only, or I'm just going to work with Ileon only. They're the three, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they're the three main ones. So I'm just going to get into bed with uh, with Equifax. So any of my customers, if they default, I'm just going to tell Equifax. And if I get a loan tomorrow from another lender, if they don't check Equifax, I might get away with it. Is that a, is that too simplistic? That's pretty much on point. I mean, lenders can choose what bureaus they deal with. But you can't tell them, hey, (laughs) but you can't tell them, oh, hey, can you not check Equifax when I'm applying for this loan? (laughs) Yeah, it looks a little shady. Um, The one thing is under the the rules uh, for exchanging information, you can only check a bureau that you're providing information to. So if you sign up to one bureau as a business and decide that's the only one I'm going with, then you're kind of creating your own blind spots as well. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. No, I think it's just good and I'm a bit of a freak and I like to know the practicalities of how it works because I'm a visual learner, draw a diagram, show me the yeah. flow. So, yeah, that's that's cool. So, it is quite possible next time you get a loan, everyone, your big nasty bank probably provides to the main three. <laughs> but it's not going to be everything they hang their hat on when forming a credit profile for you because – Part of the application process, they could say, well, you've been a casual worker for 10 minutes. That's a high risk. So we're not going to lend to you. So that will impact your credit, not just what's on your profile. Radio, let's get to some questions. Nicole, if there is a default or something else negative on the report, how long will it have an effect? Great. So first of all, I want to be clear on what a default is versus a late payment. So a default is when you're 60 days or more overdue and the amount is at least $150. Before a default is listed on your credit report, the lender has to go through the process. They have to write to you at least twice asking for payment and letting you know that there's going to be a default listed if you don't make payment. So very different to a late payment. A default will stay on your credit report for five years. If you pay off the default, it's still on your credit report. It's just updated to show that it's been paid off, but it will be there for five years. The impact on your credit score, though, is going and your credit report is going to diminish over time. And that's what we were talking about before with this extra information that's now in the system, the positive information that allows you to build up a good credit reputation. It's going to put some cushioning around anything kind of negative on your credit report. Mm, default equals bad, late equals good uh that's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not as bad. Um, yeah. Jess said, once you have a house and money in the bank, do you even need a credit score? Is it only really relevant to get that first loan? So glad to hear that there's a house and money in the bank. That's a great position to be in. Um, but your credit score, your credit report is not just for the first loan. So it's going to be relevant again if you do you know, want a loan to renovate, if you want a credit card. The other thing that we're talking about a lot is refinancing, right? Because we've got the interest rates increasing, we've got people coming off fixed interest rates. So to be in a good position to kind of refinance and shop around, you want to make sure that your credit report and your credit score are still looking good. Yeah. And my kind of vibe on this is forget the credit score and all that. Keep, you know, keep your bills up to date, pay off your debt, don't worry about yep. the score, quote unquote, because as we've said, it, you know, a score of 800 here could be 1,200 at the other bureau. So the score means nothing. It's all about the habits of keeping your details up to date. So if you move house, 
update your email. So if you forget to pay a bill, they're not sending a letter to the address that you're not there that no one's forwarding. So these are the things. Yeah. So it's all about being onto it, onto the life admin stuff. Yeah, so, definitely. Anyway, rant over. Um, <laughs> Ayatollah says, do credit scores follow you overseas? Can a company doing credit checks in New Zealand see your credit history in Australia? Hmm. Credit scores are not. Not sure. Yeah, they're not shared across countries and each country has their own credit reporting system as well. So there's a lot to kind of get used to on that front if you you move country. And this can be really hard for people who are new to Australia as well to have to start from scratch and building up a credit history um, as well. There was another comment, a question that didn't make it to this list because I'd sent you this uh, list of listener questions before that came up. And it said, what if you've got an 18-year-old daughter or son or someone, do you get a credit card to, or a personal loan to build their credit score? I just wrote, no. What's your view on this? Agree. I mean, there is a golden rule of credit, which is you only take out the credit that you can afford to pay back and really that you kind of need or are going to usually interact with. Most Australians will first interact with the credit reporting system when they get a phone, a postpaid phone. And so that's the kind of you know, important first step, I suppose, for most of us. And then otherwise, just building credit takes time. And so you're not going to leave high school with a full credit history. And so it's just a matter of patience. And I think having healthy credit habits from day one is the most important thing. Yeah, that's the key takeaway. Because realistically, if there was a 22-year-old and there's plenty of them listen to this who have bought their first home, obviously they don't have a 10-year worth of credit history, but if they've got a job, savings in the bank and no dings or bad default on the profile from not paying their phone bill on time, the banks will know that this person's 22. It's clean. Yeah, absolutely. And they've the, got cash. They don't just got look at your credit report. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is I did stupid stuff when I was younger. So it's way more important to use credit responsibly. If that means no credit right now, then that's better than getting into something that you're not prepared to handle responsibly. Yeah. Amen. Chloe, does quote unquote card churning for points negatively affect your score? If yes, does it matter if you're not looking to buy a house or get a loan for the next five years? Yes. Card churning. So this, I believe, is opening and closing accounts, making the most of the intro offers and the rewards and things like that. Um, it can have some impact on your score because you're going to have inquiries, you know, cards closing down. It's not going to have a huge effect on your score or your credit report because we have that information around your actual repayment behavior. So as long as you're, again, handling them responsibly, that's going to be way more important than whether you're changing cards. And tell me to stay out of your business. But the thing I want to know is, are you card churn responsibly? Like, are you really doing this to make the most out of the rewards? Are you being really savvy about those interest-free periods? Or are you kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit and jumping around credit products? Yeah. I think like everything, once you know the way that the system works and we've described that, like you lay in the bed you make for yourself. It's as simple as that. So, and for me, I just want less paperwork and less emails and less letters. Like (laughs) I just want less drama in my life. And while I acknowledge, so I pay for a a monthly subscription to a a credit reporting agency and we can talk about this just so I get a notification if there is an inquiry on my credit, because we know that fraud is as real as whatever. So I'm aware of it. I believe in knowing and having good credit habits and having your life admin in order, but it does not run my life. And some of the <laughs> questions that people ask us are about hearing the stuff from America that the credit scores run your life. And yeah. I don't think it's like that in Australia. It's not. It's an easy way to say, oh, I've, I've done some life admin and I've checked in on my credit health because I checked my credit score. But like I said before, look at your credit report for the full picture because mm-hmm. the score is not the really important piece. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin, will I ever be held back financially by never caring slash knowing my credit score instead prioritizing zero community, instead prioritizing zero consumer debt and growing investments? That's got to be a, a no, because that's basically what I just said. Like all my years, I'm in my late thirties. 
all my years, I've never majored on making sure I do everything to impact my credit score, but I've just had good financial habits and I've never, ever had an issue. Yeah, that's everyone's going to be different and it's going to depend what type of credit product you're going for as well. So for bigger ticket items, there's a more thorough process. So that goes to that whole point of whether you're 50 or whether you're 18, if you've got a huge deposit for the house um, and if you've got a track record of savings, then that's going to put you in really good stead when you're going for a home loan. And I would say that, yeah, your credit report, your credit score is not everything when it comes to applying for credit, but it does give you an opportunity to demonstrate how you handle credit as well. So it can be one of the things that you work on to put yourself in good stead if you're looking to go for a loan anytime soon. But if you can get everything else in order, then that sounds great. How funny is this? It's not funny, but whatever, go with me. FYI, if you're a small business owner and you have a company, your director and secretaryship or whatever will be on your credit profile. So I was applying for a mortgage and the lender, they queried like, oh, it's not clean because we need some information about this entity or whatnot because they saw it on the credit profile. I was like, no, no, I was basically on a board of a charity and I stepped off the board or something like that. Like that's like, yeah, so not just money, it's your directorship with uh, companies. Yeah, yeah. Um, directorships go on there and there's actually really good reason for that. So, Oh, yes, please tell. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not my area of expertise at all, but it, it is really interesting, um, the concept of phoenixing, which is where you have these businesses that show up, rack up a whole heap of debts to suppliers and then shut down um, and you can't kind of chase them because they kind of shut down and people do it, move business to business, starting new businesses. And so that's why one of the reasons why we've got directorships listed in there as well. Um, and directors take on liability for the company as mm. well. So, um, Yeah, so there you go, everyone. Question here from Amberly, and I think we did touch on it, but we'll just do it because if you say stuff a different way, people learn and hear different ways. Why is there mm-hmm. such a big difference for scores amongst Experian, Equifax and Ilion? So... Three main credit reporting bureaus in Australia, that's them. Each of them are also affiliated with a credit score business as well. So when you're getting your score, you're getting it from one of those bureaus as well. They each calculate your score based on their own formula and the information they have about you. So the formula might differ. They might assess different factors, different ways to come up with your credit worthiness and your credit risk. They might also have different information about you. Some lenders don't report to all three bureaus. And then again, even the output. So some will give you a range up to 1,000, some will give you a range up to 1,200. So you can't even really compare apples with apples between the three bureaus as well. The other thing is that lenders might use the bureau score, but they can also generate their own score. And that's just an internal risk score based on all the information they have about you. So again, it's just another reason to emphasize that the score that you're seeing is just a snapshot. It's an easy way to keep some track of your credit health, but understanding your credit report is the most important thing. Someone put in the Facebook group the other day, oh my gosh, the world's ending. My credit score has dropped by 200. Why? So like that could just mean it's been two years since they've applied for a credit product or repaid something. Would that be it? So you're not seen as quote-unquote credit worthy because you haven't had a loan in the last couple of years or a new loan? Would that be a a fair statement? When, you know, I I spoke about the fact that we didn't used to have so much information in the credit reporting system. When lenders were then starting to contribute information, a lot of customers were getting notifications from credit score sites saying your score has dramatically changed overnight because a lender who wasn't reporting information before suddenly was. So that was a cause for a lot of fluctuation. But yeah, I'd I'd be interested to understand what has happened there. Mm, Yeah. But again, if you're keeping your life up to date, life admin up to date, remember the credit score, it might not have changed with another bureau because it's an internal algorithm. So um, don't lose sleep over that one. Sorry, before you move on, I was just going to say to your point around you've got a notification to know if there's any inquiries. If if I, I don't have those kind of notifications, but if I did and there's suddenly a 200-point jump or, or fall, that's or decrease, a trigger yeah. to me 
Yeah. So any significant change really suddenly that I don't know the cause of, that's a trigger mm. for me to go and have a look at my credit report and know if someone else is making an inquiry or doing something under my name because we live in the time of fraud and scams and your credit report's a really good way to keep an eye on that to some extent as well. So this leads into the question from Jordan, how do you actually remove incorrect inquiries from your credit report and related, is it even worth the effort in doing this? So I'll just share for Jordan and those listening before I get the professional's view, I use this uh, monthly thing. So if there is an inquiry, I'm alerted and I can go in there. It's like, oh yeah, um, I've been removed from a directorship or I've started a new company and they've added me as a director. That's why I've got an alert. If it comes up and says, Glenn James, credit card with insert bank here, I can be like, "Uh, I did not do that. No way. I can get straight onto the phone to the credit card company or whoever it is that's listed in the credit report and put the flag up and say, that's not me. That's not me. And what is the process? Because there are crappy companies out there that advertise cleaning up your credit score, which I was under the view that if it's a legitimate default or a a mark that's legitimate, you can't clean it up because only time can heal all those wounds. Totally. So I want to go into some nuances around inquiries, but you've just given me the topic that, you know, puts a fire in my belly. So credit repair companies, yeah, I mean, anyone saying that they can fix your credit report for you charges fee? No, no, absolutely not. So um, when it comes to the information in your credit report, if it's incorrect, you can have it changed and go into that process. You can't have information that's valid removed. And the things that these credit repair companies um, are offering to do for a fee are only things that you can do for free for yourself. So um, definitely kind of stay away from those people who are going to kind of like fix your whole financial, give you financial freedom by clearing up your debts, whatever they're going to do. But as for the correction process, if you find information that on your credit report that you think might be incorrect, like pats on the back for checking your credit report, really glad to hear it. But you need to understand what you're looking at as well. So I'd go to creditsmart.org.au where we've got that information around what is in your credit report, what does it mean? Um, and that might clear some things up. And I, I will go into inquiries specifically in a second, but just on this corrections process, you can go to the credit provider or the lender who's listed. So if there's an inquiry in there or if there's an entry in there against a lender that you have nothing to do with, um, you can go to that lender. You can actually go to any lender though that you're associated with and the, and the credit reporting bureau and ask them to explain the information. If you're not satisfied with the explanation, you can ask them for the correction as well. So you're, you can go to any lender who holds information about you to start that process. If the information is incorrect, it's going to be taken off. The lender or bureau has 30 days to respond to you as well and tell you, yep, we've taken it off or actually we think it's correct and it's staying on there and this is why. Mm. And the reason, you know, why I want to be notified and really be sure of fraud is because I don't want to be going for a loan or a mortgage in a year's time or two years time, put the applications through and they're like, oh no, you've got an overdue credit card with bloody, I don't know, insert, you know, lender here. I'm like, no, I don't, never had that. I just think it's worth getting onto ASAP rather than trying to one, clean it up within that 30 days if it is a time critical thing that I've got to settle on a property or can't get finance. And I think as soon as that, lender knows that there is some fraudulent activity, the better it is just to clean up all this stuff as soon as it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Mark had a question about why does checking your credit score, you know, on some websites create a soft inquiry? Is there such thing as a soft inquiry and I dare say hard inquiry? So, um, and this is what I wanted to get into with Jordan's question as well, because Mm. um, Jordan asked specifically around removing incorrect inquiries and there can be a little bit of confusion around what isn't isn't an inquiry but when your credit report is accessed there's going to be a record of that access and it's either going to go in as inquiry information or access information so the inquiry information is when you actually apply for a loan that's going to stay on there for five years 
It has information about the type of loan that you've applied for, the amount that that loan is for. Um, And that's going to show up on your credit report, whether or not you were approved for the loan and whether or not you actually moved ahead with the loan, even if you were approved. Mm. So you've got to, when it comes to shopping around, you've just got to really pay attention to where you draw that line when you're kind of moving down the road with a lender to check out what they give you. Um, So be aware that by giving them permission to actually check your credit report, that's going to be listed as an inquiry. Lots of inquiries on your credit report can be a bit of a flag to a lender that you might be looking desperate for money because, again, it doesn't show up whether you were approved or not. Um, and so mm. if you've got like rapid fire applications, then, you know, it's just a bit of a red flag what's going on there. So that's inquiry information, very mm. separate to the access information, which people are now calling soft inquiries. So that's a separate list on your credit report. Only you see that list. So that will show if you accessed your credit report, it will show if an access seeker, someone you gave permission to who's not a lender has accessed it. So that might be a mortgage broker. Uh, It might be a credit score website as well. Um, So any kind of access that you've had or you've given someone permission to have that's not about an application for credit is going to be access information. That's not going to show up for a lender. It's not going to impact your school or your credit health. That's just for you to know who's looking at your personal information, you know? So if someone's asking you about incorrect inquiries, I'd just quickly check, is, is that an inquiry or is it access information? Because if you sign up to a school website as well, sometimes that list is huge because they're constantly looking at your credit report to generate score. So if you've woken up today, listened to this podcast, like I want to learn more about credit scores, is the best place to start the creditsmart.org.au website? And is there a link there to check credit? Yes, absolutely. So we've got information on how to access your credit reports from each of the bureaus for free as well. Um, You can do that every three months now. And we've also got information that breaks down what's on your credit report so you can actually understand it and know what it all means. So I would say absolutely that's the best first step. And what we're going to do in finishing, unless that you've got any other comments that you want to make, but I'm just going to open up my own credit profile and we'll just go through it to show some people. I'll share my screen so you can be on the journey to show the just to let you know what's on the um, credit profile. Oh, look at that. Excellent credit, but... Well done. But guess what, Jerry? I've learned that the score of 997 doesn't mean anything, does it? No, only interested in your credit report, really. Yep. So if I go to my credit report, let's have a look to see what's on here. So personal information... We've got name, date of birth, gender, driver's license number, tax file number, my current address. You're seeing all my stuff here. There's a lot of personal information on here, isn't there? Yeah, I thought we already knew each other so well. Well, there you go. And then, and and I'll be honest, I don't look at this stuff much. So this is new in real time, finding out. So the credit overview, it's got total credit limit, number of active accounts. That's probably about right because that's like some mortgages... Yeah, so that's cool. Number of overdue accounts, zero. Number of missed repayments, zero. Number of closed credits accounts, two. I will say as well, that's like summary information that that credit reporting bureau has decided to put together. So it might look different for different credit reports from different businesses as well. Yeah. So, okay. So these, oh, this is interesting. I thought I'd discharge this. Oh, yeah, there we go. Account has been closed. So it, it has got quite a bit of information. Uh, You can see the mortgages there, overdue accounts, there is nothing overdue, credit inquiries. The last three inquiries was from Bank of Queensland. Yeah, interesting. And then business-related information, current directorships. Yeah, that's about the directorship stuff. Yeah. So it's got all my company information there. Um, Yeah. Other information, I'm not banned from anything. Oh, here we go. File access. Mm-hmm. Oh, these are the monthly Equifax public access. That's. Oh, this is an interesting one. On the 18th of May, 2023, National Tenancy Database. So I wonder when I've re-signed my lease here, because I rent at the moment, mm-hmm. they've swiped that to see if there's any black marks. So... It's an ID verification. So, right, right. 
landlords can't see the full credit report, um, yes. but your credit report is also used as an ID check. And so that's the whole thing around most people's first interaction with the credit reporting system will be when they get their first mobile phone mm. and the information kind of goes in there and you're set up as a person then. Um, and then it's kind of an ID check as well. Yeah, interesting. Well, in finishing, I just think it's all about having your life admin in order. Yeah, absolutely. And adding a credit report check to that list of things that, you know, you might not enjoy doing that you've got to do. So, you know, put it on the tax time checklist when you're taking care of business and making sure that you're on top of everything because it's going to be worthwhile to catch anything and to understand um, how to set yourself up so that you have the most flexibility you can have in terms of opportunities and having a good kind of credit health, um, being a, someone who looks like a good person to lend to. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've had a lot of fun talking about all this stuff and time does fly. But thanks for uh, jumping on and explaining some of that research at the top and also answering some listener questions. And I really hope that it's taken a lot of that anxiety away from people because there would, based on your research, there are genuinely people who are worried about this stuff, but there is no cause for concern, I don't believe. Just have those good financial habits, right? Mm, Yeah. I think as well, it it would be remiss to close out without saying that it's a really hard time for a lot of people. And if you are struggling to make your repayments, then you need to talk to your lender in the first instance. And they're there to have that conversation and to talk about ways to get you back on track because it's in everyone's best interest. So as well as, you know, at all times, it's a matter of life admin being on top of these things. If you're struggling to make your repayments, don't stick your head in the sand, talk to your lender and figure out a way that you can get back on track. Yeah. Well, for more information, you can head to creditsmart.org.au and it really is an easy everyday language website. Seriously, I sent it to a lot of people who have questions about this stuff and we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Jerry Kremen, thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for chatting. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.